will say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. Don't mean you have to like it. There's nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. special edition of Horrifying My Friends. The guest today is a special one. Like four or five years ago, my wife and I discovered Jim Harold's Campfire, and it was something that we both bonded over. We would uh, we would go to Culver's, we would like eat old style, like on the, kind of on the dashboard, like, you know, put out the fries and the ketchup and all that stuff. And we were fascinated by all these, like, uh, these spooky tales that people would call in and tell. And, um, I would actually, like, I still do this, by the way, because I, I, I go in sometimes at, like, 2.45 a.m. to work, and I'll be listening to Campfire, not the best show to listen to at 2 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> while you're walking out to your car. But uh, Jim has been satisfying fans of the paranormal, like myself, by exploring mysteries like ghosts, UFOs, cryptid creatures for years, and with many other very, very inf- informative and ultra-cool podcasts. So today we are blessed to have Paranormal Talk legend Jim Harold on the show. Jim, welcome. Oh, thank you so much. That's really kind. That's really kind. Uh, uh, that's really nice of you to say. And I love that story of how you bonded over the show. That that that's so great. And I uh, kind of like in that uh, drive-in restaurant. Uh, I just I just love that. I love that story. So thank you so much. Oh yeah. So so just to tell you a little bit about the podcast, um, and we will go into horror later on. But first, we're <laughs> going to start with the important stuff, which is the paranormal. Uh, just to tell you a little bit about the podcast, horrifying my friends is a podcast where I introduce friends to horror movies uh, that they may not have ever come across or wanted to come across. Like we've covered Italian stuff, you know, all this <laughs> other stuff, all the sleazy seventies and eighties movies that you can think of. Uh, in the process, I get to bring producer Kate and the guest like kind of into my world a little bit and into my fandom, uh, if you will, and find new things to love about them uh, myself. So right away, I want to get into it a little bit as a fan of the paranormal. Uh, I grew up listening to Art Bell on Coast to Coast. Uh, In high school, I would stay up late, you know, uh, uh, very detrimental to my grades. I think he was like running (laughs) 11 to 4 at that point, uh, just to catch the topic. And in my opinion, sir, you are the new king of the paranormal world. So, so nice. how did you become interested in the paranormal one at what age? Like, how did you get into doing uh, talk radio and, you know, podcast? And... Well, well, first uh, I'll say Art Bell was the greatest to ever do it. And, and nobody could ever take his place or anything like that. I'm like so many others uh, who are behind the mic. We owe a great debt of gratitude uh, to Art Bell. He's the greatest to have ever done it. And I don't ever see anybody surpassing it. Uh, how I got started when I was a little kid, uh, and in the and very young, very, very young, I must stress this, in the 70s when there was a show called In Search Of on with Leonard Nimoy, and it talked all about the supernatural. And boy, I love that show. I never missed it. And it was on, it syndicates, it was on different times in the country. And every Sunday night at seven o'clock, I'd be sitting there waiting for the latest mystery. And that got me into reading things. And then 
as time progressed, you had shows like Unsolved Mysteries. You had Coast oh, to Coast okay. AM with Art Bell. And just like so many other people, I was fascinated. And I happened to go to school for broadcasting. And mm -hmm. I ended up working in the business of broadcasting, not in front of a mic. And uh, 2005, believe it or not, podcasting was out by then. It really started in 2004. I heard about podcasting and I said, you know, uh, just for fun, I, since I never got to be in front of the mic, I never got to kind of live my dream. I'll just do this for fun. And I love the paranormal. I've been interested since I was a little kid and I love broadcasting. So it's like a perfect marriage, right? So I started doing it and lo and behold, people started enjoying it. And within a, several years, I was able to make it my full-time gig mm -hmm. in 2012 and have been doing it uh, full-time since with uh, Jim Harold's Campfire, the show you mentioned, the Paranormal Podcast and the other shows that I do. Oh yeah. So have you ever had an encounter yourself? You know, I've had strange happenings, mm -hmm. but they've not been like the prototypical ghost sightings. Uh, I've had eerie synchronicities uh, with past loved ones. Um, I, I'll just throw one out there real quick that happened to me um, a few years ago. I was on a paranormal cruise with uh, Micah Hanks and the late Rosemary Ellen Geilig, who was a great author and researcher who yeah. passed away um, uh, last year. And, uh, and we really miss her. And the funny thing was uh, I, we were giving talks in this little conference room, and I went out to get a cup of coffee and had to walk through the casino of the ship. And one of the members of our group, one of the attendees, was playing this crane game with money that comes down and you try to get the, you like try to pick up the money with the claw. And the funny thing was, I had an uncle who passed in 2013 who was like a second dad to me. And um, I thought of him very intensely at that moment because he loved to play those games when he went to stores. Mm -hmm. he, he would spend 10 bucks to get a little 99 cent toy. And I was thinking, about, man, I wish he was here. He would love this. He would he would lose a bunch of money on this, but he would love it. I wish he were here. Just at that time, a woman walks up next to this guy, cups her hand to the his, her mouth, and says, "John, John, guess my oh. uncle's name, John." Oh. <laughs> and uh, and then her husband must have been her husband walked up and. They found each other. But what were the chances that all of those things would align perfectly? The guy would be playing the crane. I would notice that the woman would lose her husband, who happened to be named John. So, I, I, I mean, I've had several weird synchronistic things like that happen, but I'm not one of those people who has seen a full-body apparition or anything that spooky. But that's, um, th that's kind of the way it seems to manifest for me, but I have had some strange experiences. For sure. Travis, uh, you should tell them about the leather jacket uh, guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I've had a personal experience, but I really wanted to get to. So my mom has a um, a very, very haunted house. I think like five or six people have died in this house, like family members, stuff like that. So I actually really wanted her to call into the show, but I wanted to share one of her stories that was just weird. So my mom's mother, of course, they were all living together. This was shortly after her dad died, I think like in 79 and um, she had a, her, my mom's mother had a, my grandma had a boyfriend named Sonny. And uh, my mom was pregnant with my brother at the time. So she's up, you know, she had a craving in the middle of the night. Like she's mm -hmm. up eating something, you know, late at night. And Sonny comes rushing through and my mom goes, what's wrong, Sonny? Like, you know, what's, what's going on? She said he was sweating, you know, all kinds of stuff. And she, he said, they keep pulling the covers off of me. Huh. And 
out the back door he goes and the back door is kind of in the driveway like a um at the end of the driveway and all of a sudden she hears like a few seconds go by and she just hears like a horn blaring that doesn't stop well sunny ended mm. up having a heart attack in the driveway oh my <laughs> oh my oh my yeah. god yeah, so that's that's one of the stories that she always tells. And then, like, we laugh all the time because, like, one time, I, you know, we were out having lunch or something. And she kind of lives – it's a lot of people – it's like a lot of people that call into your shows where they kind of just, like, live with it. And me and right. you can't kind of get a, our heads around it. <laughs> like, right. like, you say that all the time. Like, I, I would be out of there. Like, quickly. Yeah, I would be like, <laughs> okay, see you later. Thanks a lot. But, like, one time, like, I'm like, so have you ever seen anything? Like, you know, um, have you seen anything lately or whatever? And she's like, I, every now and then I'll see, like, uh, like a shadow person kind of peek around the corner. And I'm like, if I saw that, dude. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, let me out okay new time for a new place so of all the paranormal po topics like ghosts cryptids time travelers aliens you name it you've covered it all like i i even love your conspiracy show the conspiracy corner Thank you. uh what is the most believable in your mind like in the past you've mentioned uh bigfoot as being one of those where you kind of doubt a little bit and i'm like yeah i can see that not happening as well like i, I don't know bigfoot's kind of far-fetched <laughs> Right. Well, I wouldn't rule out Bigfoot, but it's uh -huh. one where, because I'm kind of like in the middle. I definitely believe that the world is way more mysterious than we understand. I believe there's a lot more stuff we don't know. And people say, oh, no, that stuff exists. I'm like, I, I disagree. I think it does. A lot of things do exist. A lot of strange supernatural things. But the deal is, is that, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, a drippy faucet is not a ghost. It's just a drippy faucet. So I try to strike that, you know, balance. And with Bigfoot, you know, on one hand, I don't understand. I know the, the, the reasoning that's given by experts about, well, why we haven't found a body or DNA. It's like nature takes care of its own. Uh, you don't walk through the woods and typically find a deer carcass or something like that. So I get that, but I'm just kind of like, just once? Could we find it just once? <laughs> yeah. But on the other hand, I will say this, uh, the Patterson-Gimlin film of 1967, if you look at some of the, the versions of that, that's that famous shaky, yeah. people call it a film, yeah. but it's, I mean, a video, but it's really a film, shaky cam kind of thing. They've slowed that down. People have slowed that down. And if you look at that, I mean, just to the naked eye, it looks like you see muscle definition. Like that was really a being and not somebody in a suit. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm not 100% there is no Bigfoot. It's just I am a little skeptical of that one. But you asked me what I think is the most believable. Mm -hmm. I think um, communications from uh, departed loved ones, to me, that's very believable. Also, uh, near-death experiences. People ask me what fascinates me the most about all of this. And it's what happens after we die, because as I often say on the shows, and I'm sure you've heard me say, we might not all see a UFO, we might not all see a Bigfoot or a ghost, but sad to say, we're all going to die. So it's something we all have to experience. So I'm curious, and I think most people are, what, what lies beyond? So that's the one that fascinates me the most. And when I hear of stories like near-death experiences, communication with loved ones, those kind of things, those are the ones that resonate with me the most. For sure. No, no I definitely agree. The near-death experience stuff is like, it's trippy, man. Um, yeah, and where people, what gets me, because a lot of times people will say, you know, more of the skeptics will say something like, well, you know, uh, that is, uh, the brain is dying, it's firing off these powerful 
hallucinatory chemicals, hallucinogenic chemicals. It's kind of easing you into the dying process. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But then the part when the person says, well, I was above the doctors and they were doing this, 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 and this. Right. How do you explain that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the next part, one of the common loves that we both have, and this is one of the things that hooked me on your show, man, like these stories of the head scratcher variety. And I, I just wanted to know, where do you think that comes from? Like your love for that. And uh, one of the notes that I have here, I, I was also following your great TV podcast. And one of the shows that you follow is the Twilight Zone. So I was wondering if yes. there's any correlation there. And uh, I also wanted to note that producer Kate, it seems like there's two types of people, <laughs> like people like you and I, that uh, we, I almost love the open-endedness of some of these, like, Oh, what was that? And that like incredibly frustrates producer Kate. Like we'll watch a movie where it's an open-ended ending and she's just like, Oh, that was frustrating. Yeah. I do love a resolution. I think it's unfair to say there's only two types of us, <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 I think I like that more in real life than in movies. Cause in movies and TV, I, I like a, a little definition, like the Sopranos thing. If you ever watch that show drove me crazy. Kind of like the, you know, what was that all about? Kind of feel of that. But, yeah. um, uh, but in terms of life, I think it kind of is how life is. Mm -hmm. Life is kind of open-ended. Well, what did that mean? And there's different, there's different ways of looking at things. So I, I guess that's it. But I love the head scratchers because to me, it hints at this, uh, Travis and Kate, it, it hints to me that reality is far weirder than we understand. And the explanations for that weirdness are far weirder than we can understand. It's almost like, you know, well, do we know the answers? Well, we might not even be asking the right questions. Mm -hmm. The, you know, to me, it's kind of like, if you look at like a, uh, an ant going by uh, a skyscraper, mm -hmm. you know, that ant can't even fathom of what that is. They just know there's this big thing casting this huge shadow that's part of the landscape. And, and maybe we're like that. Maybe the questions we are asking are so far off base and so rudimentary as opposed to the true reality that, um, you know, maybe maybe that's the deal. Maybe that's what we're looking at. I don't know. I have a light that's going on and off here, so maybe uh, maybe we've got some visitors here. Spirits from beyond the grave. Doom, doom, doom. Uh, so this is a horror. <laughs> yeah. The great Jim Harrell bringing the spirits with him. Apparently, uh, apparently. I don't know about the great part, but I've never seen that happen. So this is interesting. We'll see what happens. So this is a horror podcast, uh, as we mentioned. So you've mentioned before that you are a genre fan. Like I mentioned uh, Twilight Zone and stuff. And I was like, I knew it, man. He's uh, he's always, you know, making references and stuff in, these, uh, in the telling of these stories. You kind of grew up in the golden age of horror, like the drive-in kind of even in the 80s, like the 80s being the, the, the great time for be a horror fan. We always mention that, like the 80s are this golden time. What was that like? Like, did how did that impact, you know, a, a young Jim Harold? Oh, yeah. I, I, you know, I used to watch all the horror movies and then I like dropped out of it for like 20 years. And then just the last couple of years been getting back into horror movies a little bit. Yeah, I grew up with the, the advent of the slasher film when I was a little okay. kid, Halloween. <laughs> and we were all watching movies we really had no business watching. Uh, uh, and then I even go back to like the tail end of the local horror hosts. 
So I'm from the Cleveland area, so we had a we had one called Superhost, and then we had one called Big Chuck and Little John, and they would show like a, sometimes the classic Universal horror films, Frankenstein. Okay. Uh, you know, the Bela Lugosi, uh, Dracula films, uh, Boris Karloff, Christopher Lee, uh, so forth and so on. So I grew up with a lot of that. Then you had that advent of the slasher film and Halloween and Friday the 13th. And I did go to drive-ins and it was great fun. And and going to a drive-in and watching something like a Texas Chainsaw Massacre or something, <laughs> it like totally fits. Because oh, you yeah. kind of think, well, maybe I go to the restroom and I don't come back, you know, yeah. kind of. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe me, the guy with the chainsaws in the restroom. It yeah. really kind of fit the motif. It kind of made it like a whole experience going to the uh, going to the drive drive in and uh, and being a kid. It added to the mystery of it. So it really, you're right. It was a golden age, and I, we were just uh, over Halloween time. We were as a family watching some of the horror movies, and I'd forgotten really how much I enjoyed those growing up. And I I think people who are interested in the supernatural and the paranormal. And when I say paranormal, most people these days think that means just ghosts. I mean all of it. Mm -hmm. UFOs, ghosts, uh, uh, Bigfoot, cryptids, uh, the whole the whole bunch. But I think there's a really interesting overlap between people who are interested in the reality of the paranormal that we don't think it's just a spooky story, but it's representative of something real. But also horror, kind of the entertainment uh, side of it. I guess it would be like somebody interested in politics in real life politics who also liked political movies mm -hmm. you know i guess it's that kind of thing but yeah definitely i think that adds to the fun of it that's so cool that you mentioned like uh like horror hosts like the idea of a horror host and we've covered this a couple times we interviewed uh david desmalchen who does kind of like a a, a new horror host spin on right. the horror host and i've created like my own kind of horror host for the show <laughs> but uh here in indy you know we we still hear stories about sammy terry like sammy terry was our was our big thing <laughs> but that's kind of like on a forgotten era like and it's it's kind of sad like a and i, I got to say as a teenager i really liked elvira she was excellent too oh well i still like elvira jim <laughs> don't tell anybody me too <laughs> i was going to say i'm curious jim you mentioned that you're like kind of some lately been getting a little bit back into some horror films what's uh what are some films that kind of inspired you to to get back in the genre a bit really the classics the classics i love the classics also i love uh kind of along the twilight zone theme i like movies that get you psychologically you know one of the greatest is the shining for example oh, yeah. the exorcist i i was watching the exorcist over halloween time i'm like Dang, this is intense for 1973. Oh, yeah. You know, we covered I'm that like, recently. Wow. And then I'll tell you one I watched that really you watch it and you just get this feel. It was filmed so well and shot so well and done so well that uh, Rosemary's Baby, going oh, okay. back a little further, 1968, I think it was. And that movie is feels very, when you're watching it, very sinister. And the weird thing about that movie was is that it's, uh, I think somebody, I don't know if it was Vanity Fair or some magazine, wrote an article and called it the most cursed hit film of all time. Yeah. Uh, I think the musical director jumped off of a cliff or off of a building, uh -huh. which was similar to one of the people in the movie, one of the characters in the movie. Uh, Roman Polanski was the director, and his wife, Sharon Tate, uh, who was pregnant at the time, was murdered by Charles Manson's gang, which is a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, yeah. William Castle, who had done many, many films, got 
tremendously ill after that movie and almost died. And there were all these weird, and uh, the, the, the lead act, not the lead actor, but the actor who played the elderly uh, man, I think his name was Roman, or, mm -hmm. or, who was married to the yes. Ruth Gordon character, yeah. when they said the Hail Satan line, apparently the actor said, no good can come of this, no good can come of this, because <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't like saying that. And, uh, you know, a lot of weird things happen. Now, it could have just been a coincidence. Oh, yeah. But again, what a weird, weird coincidence. And and Mia Farrow got uh, divorced, uh, I think, either during the filming or shortly after the filming, got divorced from Frank Sinatra. I believe so. Frank came on board, like uh, came into the into the filming or like read the script and was like, yeah, I can't be with this or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, you can't take this part. And she's like, well, uh, I'm it's my career and I'm going to take this part. And that kind of led to their divorce. For yeah, sure. It was a great I mean, it was a great movie and she did a great job on it, but I just, it's like, Ooh, <laughs> what a bunch of weird stuff to happen. And you know, some very tragic and sad things. Oh yeah. So you mentioned the shining what's funny. And uh, then I get, then I'll get to the last part where I want you to kind of give us that spooky tale. That's going to give our listeners, our listeners are going to jump right over to the campfire, <laughs> but you mentioned, it's funny. You mentioned the shining. During this whole lockdown, it was very interesting to revisit The Shining, being locked down in that hotel. And we had one of my buddies on, and he was like, you know, I've never seen it from Jack Torrance's perspective. But <laughs> he was like, I'm an accountant, and I was about to go mad <laughs> just typing on a computer the, you know, during lockdown. And yeah, stuff. in his house with the... It's kids and not being able to have like he's a very social guy too and he's yeah. does, and all the socialization with COVID and the pandemic has clearly kind of a bit gone away um so he was yeah he was empathizing a little bit with the well, I know he's us. really in trouble if he goes down the kitchen in the middle of night and Scatman Crothers is there oh yeah him a drink. <laughs> you mentioned that you had a uh, a special horrific tale like, uh, and I wanted to give kind of our listeners a taste of the campfire so that they can, like, I know, uh, I've introduced it to Katie and, you know, my wife loves it, of course, but, uh, it just, uh, you know, a, a quick story or be glad to do it. And this one kind of falls under the head scratcher category. And you probably, uh, both of you probably remember this one. And there's another one I often tell called the roadhouse saloon, but I'm not doing that one this time. I'm going to do a different one. Cause this one I think is hints at something a little more sinister. Uh, we had a policeman and he called in from the American Southwest. He did not give exactly where he's from because, you know, obviously he may not want to have that get out. I think his name was Dave. And, uh, this is several years ago. He was working the graveyard shift overnight. And uh, do you know this story? Does this ring a bell? Uh, it sounds familiar. But, yeah. I have not heard this one, so keep going. <laughs> if you like the X-Files, you'll like this one. So anyway, uh, they get this call that this naked guy was jumping off of a bridge and acting crazy by the freeway. So he goes down there with his partner, and um, they get this guy, and he the best way to call him is like a wild man. He's like feral. They, they, he's like jumping off the bridge and it's not very far. So he's not hurting himself. He's going through these bushes. He's all uh, scarred up and they go to subdue him because they're like, this guy's like harming himself. And he's like trying to bite at them. And then this is kind of gross. He starts, uh, <laughs> it was kind of comical the way he put it, but he's, they have him pinned and the guy starts defecating himself. 
Oh, no. He said, Ew. He said it looked like soft serve. And I'm like, oh, that's what it is. Anyway, so they subdue this guy. And all of a sudden, like this state trooper pulls up. And uh, Dave works at this place and he's familiar with most of the state troopers. He doesn't recognize the guy. And the guy's like really brusque with him. He's like, we got it from here. We got it from here. And uh, he's like, okay, okay, fine. And then this ambulance comes up. And Dave, as part of his job, he has to take the badge number of the state trooper, the number of the car, and the number of the ambulance. The ambulance comes up. He also doesn't recognize the ambulance, but he doesn't think about it. And they come and they cart this guy off. So he gets back to this uh, precinct, and uh, he's talking to his friends. He's like, do you any you guys know this state trooper here? Here's his badge number. Here's his information. You know the guy was kind of an a hole for the lack of a better term, and nobody knew him. And they tried to run his number, his badge number. They couldn't come up with anything. Then Dave says to the dispatcher something. Well, I've also got to report in this uh, this. Uh, this ambulance service that came. Here's the number. Here's the information on them. They try to pull them up. Mm-hmm. Nothing. <laughs> so almost seems like to me like a Men in Black X Files kind of like the government was doing experiments on this guy or something, and they had to swoop in and like extricate him. And that's why they weren't exactly you know very friendly or anything. But I always just thought that was a weird, oh, okay. weird tale, and definitely a head scratcher. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a wow. that's MK Ultra, Katie. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, I like that story. Oh for sure. So Jim, I want you to tell the listeners kind of where they can find you, and you know your YouTube channel, website, stuff like that, and your podcasts. Well, the website is jimherald.com, J-I-M-H-A-R-O-L-D.com. Also. The podcast, Jim Harold's Campfire, is kind of my flagship podcast, which is basically people calling in their supernatural and spooky stories, everything from super spooky, super scary, uh, tormented by ghosts. Some people think they have demons to heartwarming stories as well. And that's Jim Harold's Campfire. You can find it wherever you're listening to this podcast. Also really been pumping up the YouTube channel lately. And that's starting to grow. And that's over at youtube.com slash Jim Harold. And we're starting to share campfire stories over there as well. And what's nice about that is I can read a campfire story and then the audience can chime in in real time and give their thoughts on. So we're having fun with that. So please check out the YouTube channel uh, as well. And uh, Travis and Katie, I I, want to thank you so much. It's so kind of you to have invited me on the program I wish you both happy holidays, and it's been a lot of fun talking about horror movies and about spooky stuff. Well, thank you for joining us, Jim, and uh, I, I will put a link on the. Uh, I, I really dig what you're doing with the on the YouTube side of things, like uh, the roadside uh, tavern story and stuff, like just cutting that down. And but uh, I'll link that into this episode as well. But yeah, thank you, thank you so much for joining us, Jim. And like I said, we're huge fans at this household, man. So just thank you so much. Have a happy holiday. Happy holidays. Stay healthy. And stay spooky. Oh, yeah. Stay spooky. (laughs) Horrifying, my friends.